So um, it's six weeks of darkness in the wintertime, um, minus 40. So yeah, it's different. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Wednesday, December 28th. I know we're getting you this first episode late this week. I've been heads down with our latest audio documentary, it's going to be going live in March. I'll announce the subject of it in January. I've been putting a ton of time into it, and I can't wait for you guys to hear what this audio documentary is all about. So because of that, getting you this first episode late this week, but let's get to it. This episode is with Iki Avalok and his coach, Chris Crocs. They're from the Arctic, 40 miles north of the Arctic Circle, and yes, they have wrestling there. And given that we're in the midst of the holiday spirit, being grateful for things and just kind of taking account of all the blessings we have, I wanted to bring Iki on the show because he has an incredible story, very inspirational, and what this young man had to go through just to compete in wrestling is very inspiring. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Fan of the week is Pablo Di Maria. That's at the CA Wrestler on Twitter, covering all things, all levels of wrestling in California. Pablo, we greatly appreciate your support. Last but not least, folks, this episode is sponsored by Beat the Street Chicago. They're our favorite nonprofit, and they just released a short documentary film on the Beat the Streets National Duels, an event they hosted last June where they brought Beat the Streets organizations from across the country to Chicago to host a dual meet tournament and an immersion experience for these kids. So go to btschicago.org to watch the film. This episode is also sponsored by Quant Wrestling. Quant takes the Moneyball approach to college wrestling. They track and timestamp hundreds of activities in a college wrestling match, input that data into their cloud analytics platform, and on their app, which you can download in the Apple and Google Play stores, you can see detailed statistics on college wrestlers. You can compare different wrestlers. So go to Quant Wrestling on the Apple and Google play stores quant wrestling download the app now and that's it folks let's give it up for Iki avalak all right folks we're here with Iki avalak and his coach coach chris how are you guys doing today good thanks um i'm doing good start. thanks it is an honor to have you gentlemen here Iki, where are you at today 
I'm currently at my uh, place in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. And your story is is really inspiring, and I think we should just get right into it from the start. So, where did you grow up? Give us the uh, kind of the, the back your background. I grew up back in uh, Nunavut, a place called Cambridge Bay, Nunavut, and uh, yeah, I, growing up, I lived with three different families. That's not including mine, uh, and I just yeah. Where so where is like how big of a town is that in, and where is that at? Um, I'm the town is about seventeen hundred people, and that's above the Arctic Circle on an island called Victoria Island. Above the Arctic Circle. Wow. And Coach Chris, uh, Chris Crooks is on the line. You are a teacher, um, and still are up there, up in in this community. How did you get looped into this story? Um. Well, first, I, I'm, not, I'm no longer a teacher. I taught for four years, and I worked for a bunch of different organizations, nonprofit. Um, my wife went up to Nunavut first as a teacher. She wanted to try something different. We had traveled throughout Canada. We hadn't been to Nunavut, and she enjoyed it so much. She, um, she you know, it was a one-year leave. She took two years, and then when I retired from teaching in southern Ontario, I went up for a two-year contract, and I taught for four years, and now I'm in my eighth year in the community. And for folks who aren't familiar, what, how would you describe like the biggest difference between what the daily life is like in, in this community, Nunavut versus, you know, what, 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 um, what we may be used to? Well, um, they're all, it's a flying community, which changes everything. So everything has to be brought in by planes or once a year by ship. Um, it's isolated. Uh, the town's about a square kilometer and a half. You can't really go anywhere without going out by snowmobile or ATV. Um, it's, it's very limited <laughs> to what you can really have. Like there's no real coffee shops. You have a couple general stores that'll sell everything from a snowmobile to your milk. So um, it's six weeks of darkness in the wintertime. No. Um, minus 40. So yeah, it's different. Six weeks of darkness. Uh, I think I think you um got that switch around, Chris. It's, I think it's six weeks of daylight. <laughs> well, uh, six weeks. You have six weeks of darkness and six weeks of daylight. So sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. There you wow, go. There you that go. is. Uh, I mean, what is that like going through that? Going through six weeks of darkness, Iki. Uh, you know, it, it, I lived that through my whole life, so um, that I was used to. But when I first moved to uh, Edmonton or when I first uh, traveled outside of Nunavut, I was like, wow, this is totally different from back home. Like, there's a lot more daylight. It's a lot warmer. And uh, yeah, it was just that was my normal growing up. Six weeks of darkness, six weeks, of 24 hour daylight and. Yeah, wow. that was just my normal. And how did you find wrestling? Uh, wrestling at first, um, I didn't really think much of it. Like a couple of my friends, they they were wrestlers and uh, they, told, they told me to come out and try it. So um, at first I said, no, I didn't want to do it. And then I tried it for about a week and I was like, you know what, this isn't for me. I just... Uh, don't want to put the work in. I don't want to um have 
people always telling me what to do, you know, and especially like in our sports. And uh, so I tried it out for a week and I was like, nope, this isn't for me. So um, I just went down with my daily life of all playing video games and staying in and being out and about. And how did you get from that to getting a, an interest back into the sport? Um, so one of my friends is actually my cousin. He came back from the territorial championships in uh, 2015. And then about 2016, I, um, he, uh, I, uh, he came to my house and then we just started rolling around and he told me um, the fun times he had being in a different community and the people he met. So I was like, I like to meet people and I like to travel. So um, there was my opportunity. Like I said, when I first tried it, I didn't think much of it until I heard about traveling and meeting new people. Before that, I didn't, I was only out like getting out once a year on holidays. And I was like, you know what, if I want to meet new people and travel, then there's my opportunity. So I started going to practices, started putting in the work in and got my first tournament in 2016 when I was 12 years old. I won that. And then as soon as I, um, as soon as I won the tournament and got the feeling of being in a different community, I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do and I'm going to stick with it. Wow. That's awesome. And then, so you, you get you initially get into it for this urge to to explore and travel. What was your first experience like traveling to a tournament? Uh, it was a very nerve wracking seeing totally different people. Like there was only three of us, including my coach that was from the Kittick Mute region, and it was um, it was very nerve wracking. Like out there was just four of us from the Kittick Mute region, and sort of felt oh I don't know it was I felt like it was sort of a cultural shock considering I haven't um traveled much but um I just went there to wrestle and have fun and uh yeah I uh, won that tournament when I was 12. Wow I can't even imagine like what it like you said the, the culture shock of seeing a uh you know, just being one wrestling in your first tournament's nervous enough. Like anyone goes oh, yeah. through the first tournament's terrified, but you know, doing that in a whole new environment is a, is a whole nother experience. Yeah. And at the time I didn't really think of it, but it was like, now that I'm older and I realize it, it was just to get away from like all the um trauma and stuff that's been going on back home and, that was sort of like my, uh, that was my medicine to get away from all that, which was wrestling. What kind of trauma? Uh, intergenerational trauma. I, a lot of alcoholism and uh, violence. And there's like not much you can do where I'm from. And uh, wrestling was that outlet for me to escape that, even if it was just for a few days to a week, that goes a long way. So, um, wrestling and my coach with without them I wouldn't be half the person I am today that's amazing and where are you I guess what are the next steps for you now in your in your wrestling journey you you want a huge tournament this summer yeah so um 
the ultimate goal is being on the national team and becoming an Olympian. First from a first in the sport of wrestling from Nunavut. Wow. I love it. I love it. Coach Chris, how did you get involved with wrestling? And I guess, did you start the club in this community? Yeah. When I went to Cambridge Bay, um, I was very busy when I was down south. I was coaching a number of different sports, rugby, track and field, wrestling, cross country. And when I went up there, I went for doing all of that. And I was actually on a beef farm too, as well as teaching to doing nothing. And I, I just didn't know what to do with myself. So um, I thought, well, what do I know? Well, I know wrestling. So I called some people down in the south and got some contacts. And I eventually got a hold of a person and they said, yeah we will fund you to come to this tournament and it's in Nunavut, but it is like two days to get there. And um, I started up this little like wrestling program and I had, I didn't have a wrestling mat, had some of these, we call them Adam mats, the mats you Velcros together, mm -hmm. very safe. Um, and I had two kids who were a bit older who were interested. And I said, okay, I've got funding for two kids. And I took those two kids and uh I had actually tried to get Icky, eh? Like I had noticed him. He was in, I was teaching at the elementary school. Icky was in grade six and he was just this phenomenal little athlete. And I thought, my God, he'd make a good wrestler. But um, as he said, he wasn't really interested. I talked to him a little bit. And from that, um, I got Icky the next year and it grew. And looking at Icky's potential, I thought, you know, like in a in Nunavut, we don't have like one tournament a year. I know it sounds crazy, but we don't have one tournament for the year. Wow. So I uh, contacted someone at the University of Alberta. They said, hey, we got this tournament. So I started to take kids there. And from that, it just grew and grew. Not that we have a large number of athletes at um, Icky's age. And then with Icky's ability, um, I really asked him how far he wanted to go. And he said, I want to go as far as I can. So after that, I just looked at different opportunities and ways in which I felt I could bring him as far as we could with what resources we have. Wow. So just, and I have, you know, I'm trying to level set for folks who may not be familiar. Is Nunavut a state? Is it a, is it a region? I mean, is it, it's, how does it it's fit like, into Canada? It's it's a territory. So it's like a massive okay. province. Okay. Like it's huge. It goes across about, I think, 3,000 kilometers from the Arctic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. It's huge. And um, yeah, it was created in 2000. So it's a relatively young territory. Okay. 1999 to be exact. Yeah, <laughs> 1999. There we go. How and and when you say the South, what is that? Um like a city we would know that you're referring to? When we consider the South, it's anything outside of Nunavut. <laughs> outside, anything so, outside of it, okay. Yeah, we're, it's 26 flying communities. Some of them are as small as, you know, 100, 150 to the largest ones at Callawood of about 7,000. So we're all flying communities. So once you leave there, you had like the Edmonton, Ottawa, Winnipeg would be Southern areas. But generally say anywhere, anywhere outside of Nunavut is considered South. Got it, okay. So 1999. And what is the, what is the history of, of how families initially got to this region? Um, they're um, traditionally Inuit. 
So it'd be like what, um, I guess what you'd call an Alaska Eskimos. Mm-hmm. So it would be an indigenous population um, throughout the North there. And the amazing thing, I always find fascinating, anyone my age, I'm 61, would have been born in a skin tent or an igloo. So they're only a couple generations removed from the land, which is fascinating when you hear their stories. Wait, say that again. Say that again. So anyone my age. So I was born in 1961. Yeah. So anyone around my age or a bit older would have been born in a skin tent or an igloo. So they're only a couple generations removed from the land. Wow. So that's fascinating when you think of that. Absolutely. And then because of how sparsely populated some regions are, what was your workout partner situation like? Like, Who was your primary training partner? You can answer that, Icky. <laughs> oh, my, my primary training partner was uh, my coach here, Chris. And I had, um, like, in the last three years, it would have been a, a 14-year-old a 14-year-old boy who's living in um, Kelowna, BC. His name's Giuseppe Dimitrik. And a 17-year-old girl named Kiana Ikpakuak, who's uh, currently living in Cambridge Bay. Got it. And like, what, is a, uh, what does a typical week look like for you when you're go- going through your practice routine? Are you guys going every day? And what kind of cross-training are you doing? Uh, we'd go three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So that we'd just be working on our techniques, doing some um, body weight workouts. And uh, when we do some body weight workouts, say like we do, um, a, we do some planks, like push-up position planks, elbow planks. And we try to um, depict a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. So we'd either go two two-minute rounds or three three-minute rounds just to get our body used to that uh, feeling. And um, every Fridays, we'd call, we'd do what's called Fight Night Friday. So then we'd just do a warm-up, like, yeah, do a warm-up for about 15 minutes or so, half an hour. And then we'd just um, do different um, types of, I don't know, different methods of wrestling for that rest of the practice. One example is like king of the mat. So if um one person is in the middle and then it's whoever gets the takedown, they stay in and then they just go until they get taken down. Wow. And then and that's every Friday to kind of simulate simulate uh tournaments or match environments. And and the one tournament a year, when is that? Uh, that would be um, usually about November, December, and that's in the capital of Nunavut, Iqaluit, called the Territorial Championships, where we would, uh, be, the winners would um, be chosen on Team Nunavut to um, represent at Arctic Winter Games, Western Canada Summer Games. In the recent years, because of COVID, we couldn't have that tournament. So then we just like choose the recent people who's won or people who's interested and willing to put the work and commitment in. Mm-hmm. And that's how we would choose our um, team. And you said it's the Arctic winter games and then there's the summer games as well. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think it's a, it's an amazing story and it's something that is the epitome of this podcast and how wrestling 
you know, has, has impacted and changed your life. Um, I know you earlier you said it's like a medicine for you. So it's, it's definitely had a, had a powerful impact on, on, on your life. Oh yeah. The huge. So let's, let's, let's kind of wind down with that. Talk about how wrestling has, has like, what are the biggest impacts that wrestling's had on your life? Um, it's the biggest impacts is, um, like I said, it's a medicine for me. It was able to get me out of, um, get me out of the path I was going. Like I was a troubled kid. Didn't go to school much. I would, um, yeah, I, I was, a, I was what others would call a bad influence to the people I hung, hang around. And, um, yeah, one time my mom and I had a talk with, uh, the police officers back home and one of the police officers, my mom agreed with it as well. They said, if I'm continuing down this road, then I'd be, um, be going in and out of behind bars. And, mm-hmm. you know, you never know if it would be worse because like, there's not much opportunities back in Nunavut and. Right. Yeah. It's, a lot of intergenerational trauma. So I, myself and a lot of my other uh, friends, they um have an effect from that. And mm-hmm. uh, this, what really uh, got me out of it was wrestling. I was able to actually, I'm a physical person. I got into a lot of fights in school, out of school with my siblings and wrestling was able to help me channel that in a, in a positive way to get all that anger out. Like I have three family members who's been to residential school on my dad's side, my dad included. What's and, residential school? Uh, residential school is like, um, residential school, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, lost, here. I'm lost for words right now. A residential school, um, they took children from um, indigenous places and they'd move them about 3,000 miles away. And then they'd be there for anywhere from a year to five years and they wouldn't see their parents. And then they'd be brought back to the community, but they would have lost their culture and everything else. And there was a lot of abuse, physical and sexual abuse at the residential schools. So um, when wow. they came back to the community, there was a lot of damage. And um, one of the biggest things they'd say they never learned how to parent because it would be like it institutionalized. So they weren't taught parenting skills, obviously. And um, so they came back and then there was a lot of alcohol and drugs and violence. And it just got handed down to one generation to the next. And um, like none of it would have the high, I think it's about 10 times the suicide rate and um, compared to the rest of Canada. So. Um, like you probably know from, you know, the videos that Kilowack lost his brother to suicide. Then there was another best friend. And then there was a cousin. And this is just in my short time, as many as, you know, many other schoolmates. So um, wrestling was a way of, you know, um, developing resilience, discipline, and trying to move past, you know, the trauma that a lot of the kids Icky's age will see. Man, I can't even imagine. That is. So do they still do they don't still do that kind of school program, do they? Uh, no, were... what, 
It would have finished. Um, 1996. Yeah, it was, was the, the last, last one closed in Canada. Wow. And that had been a practice for like, what, a couple decades or so? Oh, it would have started from the early 1900s, eh? But in different forms. But it was uh, very prevalent during the 50s was the most prevalent period of time. So anyone over, over the age of 50, even younger, would have gone to residential schools. And it was like mandatory? You had to go? You couldn't? St- yeah, they were. Um, yeah, it was mandatory. And they were um, basically they'd be coarse. So like you wouldn't be able to buy food from the local stores or so there was a lot of exploitation to force people to give up their children. And it's, we're talking three to five years they were gone for. Yep. Sometimes they'd be able to come back for summer, but like they were, they would go to a residential school. So the people from Cambridge Bay would go to a community called Anuvik. And that would have to be, I think if it were straight flight, maybe two and a half, three hours away by flight. So quite often they, it wasn't possible for them to come back during the summer. So they would take them as young as five, six years of age. So some of them could have be away for 10 years. Wow. That is crazy. I've never heard of this before. So do you think that is a root of, of the, of the rate that you mentioned there? The Like, is that one of the big, big issues there and kind of the trauma that stems from that or the other issues? Yeah. It it gets handed down from generation to generation. And the biggest thing is they said, um, they said lack of parenting skills. Um, it also makes a lot of distrust. So if someone doesn't want to go to school because their experience in school wasn't good, you know, you just don't go to school. Um, lack of opportunities, there's housing issues. And within, the way to best describe it is like going to your high school, if you have a big high school mm-hmm. and you never ever leave that high school environment. So whatever happened in that high school will always stay there and yeah it just never leaves um many of our communities don't have doctors so one of my wrestlers and i i mean i find it humorous in ways but um we're at a tournament and they're asking when did you see a doctor and he said i've never seen a doctor there's no doctors in the communities there's many of the our communities more fortunate we have a doctor who will be there on occasion but there's many communities with only a health center so there's no doctors no our community doesn't have a dentist so in some communities, they have people who just pull your teeth. Wow. That is, like you said, a world that is, it's very unique. And a lot of people can't even, under, didn't even know that's out there. So it's just you being a symbol for these people is amazing. And I just love that wrestling's the platform for it. Oh, yeah. One huge goal is uh, inspiring others that you can change. Yeah. And, and if everyone, like how many kids are in your class? Like if everyone at your school who, who went there wrestled, like is that 20 kids in a class or way less than that? Uh, way less than that. Like we have about a dozen, half a dozen. Like a majority of the times I'd be the only one in class. So another big cultural shock was when I came down here is coming from being the only person in class to about two dozen kids in class is huge. And I wouldn't say terrifying, but very nerve wracking. Wow. So there would be no one else in class. A majority of the time. Just because they didn't have any desire or goal to continue on. Yeah. And how and a lot of, 
a lot of it is um like again issues with um their household and like a lot of kids my age and younger they'd be looking after their younger younger uh siblings or nephews so um that takes a lot of a lot out of them like i'm speaking from experience as well and why why would you you be tasked with raising your siblings uh it's just like again coming going back to the topic of intergenerational trauma like alcohol is a huge um mechanism for people to um escape and es express their feelings from past traumas and whatnot mm -hmm. so they they'd be going on benders of going out for days on end like my dad one time he was drunk for two weeks straight so um wow yeah it's a lot that's that weighs a lot you feeling like being the youngest of the family, but then again, having to act the oldest and taking the responsibility. So that that takes a lot out of you. Uh, like back in 2021, that's when I um, put my foot down and uh, I reached out to my coach and asked if I could uh, live with them. So, and then he said yes. So then I got my stuff ready and uh, I packed out and left the household because I was tired of being the acting the oldest when really I'm the baby of the family the youngest and what was your experience like once you moved in with coach Chris um it felt once I moved in with him I realized like wow I've never felt this before. I I never felt like I actually um it felt you know it felt like I don't know how do you explain it. I was um I was like, wow, this is what a family actually feels like. I've never really felt this before. I've always only was surrounded by alcoholism and abuse. And when I moved in with them, I felt like I can just put my um, guard down. Like I felt, I uh, felt safe. I wasn't on watch twenty four seven, or a majority of the time, and I was able to sleep knowing I wouldn't have to wake up to um, my siblings arguing or get into uh, physical confrontations with their um, other half. Like I felt like a punching bag in my household when my mom first moved away when I was 15 to about seven to about 17 when I uh, finally put the foot down and saying, you know what? What this is just dragging me down and I'm tired of having to um be the adult in the household and being a punching bag. Right. Like, without wrestling. If it was not for wrestling, there would there would have been some closer calls of um yeah, yeah. wrestling. Yeah, it helped me um at at times it helped me save my own life. That's a great way to to wind this down because I think it's just again such an important reminder 
one, just how courageous you are for sharing your story and for you know, being willing to push yourself beyond your environment. And, and Coach Chris, you know, uh, you know, we just thank you for spreading the good word of wrestling and you know, doing everything you can to, to help help folks like uh, like Iki. So, gentlemen, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show. Any last words before we sign off? Uh, yeah, I just, um, like my brother who committed suicide in 2015 before I started, he was, uh, he was like, he was the person I looked up to and wrestling was just, uh, after he passed away, wrestling was there to um, help me cope with all the anger I had. And then about two years later in 2017, one of my best friends had committed suicide after a bad snowmobile accident. Like he just, his dad took a lot, a, took his anger out on him and he just couldn't handle what his, the thought of what his dad would do to him. So, um, he committed suicide the morning we were talking. And about three, four years later, one of my best friends, they also, um, him and I weren't on good terms. And his suicide, he, um, I learned that you shouldn't hold grudges with anyone because you never know when's the last day you'll see him. And that's one big regret I hold. And again, wow. wrestling's um what helps is my outlet and my escape to uh everything that I've been through. And it just uh, encourages me to be a better person every time I step on a mat. Well, it's an awesome you're an awesome example, and you've you've gone through more than most people could even imagine. And um, you know, again, just thank you for for sharing your story. It's it's a powerful one and it's been an honor to meet you guys, and I can't wait to share this uh, podcast with the listeners. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Iki Avalok. This episode was brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago. Go to btschicago.org slash donate to support Beat the Street Chicago. This episode was also brought to you by Quant Wrestling. Download the Quant app now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Q-U-A-N-T Wrestling. Download the app now. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review. And for all past episodes, go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. We'll see you on Friday with a new episode.